have a special Haber show right now. We've got Amin El Hassan and Mo Dekeel in a hotel room in Vegas doing all sorts of debauchery that I don't know if I want to know about. But Mo apparently has to leave on a plane in 25 minutes. So we need to get the best of Mo Dekeel in the next 20 minutes on the Summer League, NBA Summer League in Vegas. So let's go. Mo Dekeel, what's what's happened to my man? Not a whole lot. I just got to escape, Tom. You know, don't, <laughs> nobody needs extra details. I just got to make a run. So this is, this is going to be... Recording go. <laughs> is Escape from Vegas uh, already on Cinephobe? Like, I feel like that's a movie. Is that a movie? That, I know there's Escape from L.A. and Escape from New York. Is there Escape from Vegas? I don't think anyone ever escapes Vegas. Well, I think it's going to be uh, coming out in a few years. It's going to be the untold story of the demise of Mo. I don't know. We, we, who knows? <laughs> well, Mo, um, have you ever coached Summer League? Actually, I have not. I've always been like an assistant. What happened, Tom, was I missed a lot of Summer Leagues when I was in the league because I was working for team Australia. So I always would be gone at the, as soon as the season ended and I wouldn't come back to almost training camp. So I'm relatively light on summer league experience compared to some of my colleagues. But you've been on a coaching staff though. Like you've been an assistant, been on the bench for games and things like that. So I should have, I, I, I definitely messed you up there. Yes. Been on the bench for games, but never as the head coach. And who were the head coaches for when you were the assistant? The summer league head coach. The, the summer league head coach really was Ty Lu, and then we had Howard Isley on our bench. This is with this is Doc Rivers' first year with the Clippers. Yeah. So Ty Lu is that was that his first time coaching um, as a head coach in the league? Like, to, had he had done summer league? Was it was it a like a trial run for him? I'm pretty sure that was his first time. I don't think he did it when he was with the Celtics staff. I think that was his first go around. It was his first tie. Yeah. Yeah. Nice job. I mean, I mean, you, I asked you how it's going over there in Vegas and you just said it's exhausting. So what, what has it been like for you? So this is my first, uh, like event basketball games, or anything since before the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I've been out, but I've never been out a anywhere with just the sheer number of people around and b this number of people that, I know. So, you know, as you know, Tom, like the, the, the old joke is to walk from Thomas and Mac to Cox Pavilion takes you about 45 minutes because you keep stopping and seeing people and saying what's up and you gradually work your way over. But, you know, obviously I haven't had to experience anything close to that in 15, 16 months. So it, it's all kind of been a very trying time for me. Uh, also, I think I've bit off more than I could chew in terms of, uh, commitments I made to different entities. Um, so it, it, all of that stuff is kind of raining down on me right now. I'm tired. Basketball related. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basketball related commitments. I haven't even gotten into the other commitments. That's the messed up part, man. <laughs> you haven't gotten to the fun stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I saw these guys at karaoke for like 15 minutes and then I had to go again. You know, why do you love Vegas summer league Mo? Like for, for someone I know, I mean, He's kind of like the mayor of summer league, um, unofficially, perhaps officially. But Mo, for you as as kind of like an NBA junkie and someone who just loves the X's and O's and scouting, like what is it about summer league that just is awesome for you? Well, it's really Tom. It's my first look at a lot of these rookies, you know, potential, you know, guys that are coming into the league. Because I don't watch a ton of college basketball, so now getting an opportunity to 
sit down and, and see these guys for the first time in a quasi NBA environment. It's it, 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 calling these NBA level games is, is an insult to the regular season games, but you know, it's along those lines of watching these guys get into work, get into move. And then sometimes just seeing some of these dudes for the first time, you're like, Oh wow. He's bigger than I thought he was, you know, like Scotty Barnes, for example, I was watching him going like, Oh, I thought he was smaller. He's actually rather large, like big, bigger wing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is going to change some things there for me. But uh, it's always just good to kind of get a look at those guys. I'm sitting here in Charlotte. I didn't make it out to Vegas this year. And all I care about is the Alperin Shangun watch. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I care about. And it's not just the numbers, like the stats are fine, but this is one of the reasons why I love this, this prospect coming into the, the draft and he slid all the way to 16 and OKC. I was like, Oh, of course. OKC Sam Presti takes, uh, takes basically Poku 2.0 is this like European prospect, young guy who has all these tools, but hasn't really put it together in like the, the uh, NBA, the, the college basketball or in any sort of like American context. But man, this dude, Alperin Shangun, who is an 18 year old MVP of the Turkish league, who's like 6'10, short arms, but like you can see the mini Jokic comparisons because of his touch with, with the ball and his shooting has that like high loft to it. And he's just got a nose for the ball. And then he, in two games, Mo, like stats aside, the highlights, what he does is like awesome. Yeah, no. <clears throat> that's a result of karaoke um (laughs) no he's he's been amazing he's breathtaking is that what you're saying he's breathtaking it really did take my breath away for a moment um (laughs) no he's been really impressive almost more so for me in the second game than the first one there was a moment in the second game he switches onto a guard in a pick and roll and you know just kind of disrupts the guy's flow and the dribble forces a turnover boom, it's a dunk the other way for the Rockets. I mean, he had a bunch of other highlights, you know, pump fake at the three-point line, drive down the lane for a dunk, you know, his footwork around the rim, you know, in the paint, off the post and things like that. All of it's a lot. Like, you're just watching that package going like, okay, like, we might be looking back a few years from now going like, maybe he shouldn't have gone 16. That's crazy because the Rockets got three rookies, him, Jalen Green, and and, uh, Josh Christopher. And last night, I was like, yeah, that's a really good draft. That's a really good draft by uh, Monty. Uh, well, not Monty Wisner. Oh, man, I'm, gonna, I'm getting my Rockets. Former Rockets assistant, yeah, Rostone, yeah. Uh, I mean, they. I think they did a really good job out there. You know, obviously for us last night when we recorded this was uh, the big showdown between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. You know, but it's the Shangun showdown. Like it's <laughs> it's, Cade, it's Cade versus Shangun. That's it. I mean, come on. Tom only saw Shangun. He yeah. didn't see anybody else on the court. No, I mean, what, what's what's worth? I mean, Jalen Green with his step back three pointers and the cool hair, and the you know, Cade Cunningham with his with his handle in the open court, and Scotty Barnes is a Kawhi two point Who cares? We've got a regular. Um, Bill Walton Shaq in Alperin Shangun. I don't know what the comp is. There's a very big gap between Bill Walton and Shaq. I don't know if maybe it meets in the middle and it's Shangun. I don't know. But uh, give me the all-time Mo and Amin for both of you, the all-time summer league just flop. Someone who showed out in summer league and was just balling out, and then everyone got excited about it and then just 
did nothing in the league. There's only one answer to this, but I'm going to see what Mo has it. Oh, of course. Come on, man. It's Anthony Randolph. Oh, no. Oh, you have oh, Anthony Randolph. Oh, I was going to go Anthony Randolph, too, Mo. Oh, you guys, you guys. Let me get, because at least Anthony Randolph played in the league and had memorable moments in the league before ultimately going on in his basketball career in Spain. Can I interest you in a Josh Selby, Summer League MVP? Oh, wow. <laughs> and the thing about... <laughs> And the thing about Josh Selby. Mo, for those who don't know, right now on the Zoom is passed out. He just he just passed out. He lost all sorts of all, all his entire consciousness after that. He was the number one ranked prospect in his high school class. And then he goes to Kansas. And, you know, it wasn't I think I want to say it was non-basketball stuff that happened at Kansas that kind of had his stock drop, falls to the second round of the draft. Can't remember who signed him for summer league. I think it might be the Wizards. Memphis. He played really well. He won summer league MVP, and all these people rushed to say, "Oh, look at that! Like you guys missed one diamond in the rough. This guy's gonna make some teams regret passing him over." And if you're listening to this story, and like, who the hell is Josh Selby? I rest my case. <laughs> all right, so 2013 summer league stats. Number one in points per game scoring was Damian Lillard at 27 points. Kawhi Leonard, a guy, a kid from San Diego State, Spurs, you know, trade for him, 25 points per game. Checking in at number three was Josh Selby. And then Tobias Harris and then Jimmy Butler. And then Jesus Christ. <laughs> it just right behind Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson. That kind of just goes to what we talk about with Summer League, right? Like, as I was, it's not really a full NBA game. These things are weird sometimes. Some of these teams are constructed weird. You know, you're, you're, you're going in as an organization with an agenda and you want to set up with, hey, we want to make sure we're, we're setting up our guards and we want to get good looks at that. Or if you have a big guy and you want to get him touches, you're going to bring a veteran guard and things like that. So it's, it, it can kind of be fool's gold. That's why you can see a guy like Josh Shelby, Selby, sorry. And then you're going like, Hey, this dude's really great. And then you get into the league going like, wow, no, oh, no, 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 too far. <laughs> no, my favorite summer league entry, by the way, this year, Tom, was the Portland Trailblazers yes. <laughs> who just decided, you know what, man, bring me everyone from summer league 2010. That's who I want on my team. So you got Michael Beasley, you got Emmanuel Moutier, you got Kobe Simmons, a blast from the past. What's happening there? I don't know. Like, has that ever happened where they get three like a bunch of a bunch of vets yeah not on one team you might get a yeah. guy on a team or right. something you know like wayne selden's running around for, for a team but you know this is my my opinion is i think they're just trying to show them we've made progress we've won the summer league championship yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. damien please stay we signed michael beasley to our summer league team we're, we're, we're champions in Vegas, Dame. We've won stuff. Let's go. You know, I think it's it's along those. It was a weird team. Like when I saw it, I was just like, okay. I don't know. Maybe if it, this is their way of taking a flyer on guys and seeing who who still got it. Oh, Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed that's yeah. right. Antonio Blakeney's there too. So he's been in the league for 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 a while. Yeah. Wow. So what is the biggest story there? in in vegas like is there a player even even some nba superstar showing up but is there any sort of buzz about what's happening in vegas besides your shangun run i think jalen green is has, has, has really kind of popped yeah you know with with the scoring and everything and, and you know it's in a way you're watching it going like this kid can really go 
and it's been pretty impressive along those lines. I think he's the one so far that's stolen the show in terms of coming out and, 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 and just killing it right away. 22, I think, his first game, just, just continuing to roll and then going at Cade Cunningham in the next game. I'll give you another name, by the way, Luca Garza. Luca Garza has been balling out, uh, and I think a lot of people are seeing, you know, he, he's that every year there's that one guy who played four years in college and didn't really get looks, and then he comes to summer league and he, and he balls out. But I, I really do think he might have found himself a spot on a roster somewhere uh, just because, he's, I mean, he's got skilled. He knows how to play. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be great, but it doesn't need to be great. He just needs to be good, and I think he showed that out here. From the non-basketball world, I haven't seen anybody. I mean, a mean. Oh, mean is celebrity. I take that back. Flavor Flav. I saw Flavor Flav yesterday. Yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, he was in the VIP section. You know that, like on the high rise. <laughs> yeah. Over there, they have, they have this like uh like a section with like some food and and a, and a bar right there, or whatever. It's behind the baskets, above the schmooze pit. It's on risers above the schmooze pit, and Flavor Flav was there in 2021. Yes, yes. In 2021. <laughs> well, they got rid of Gucci Row. The the um the courtside seats are all gone. They're all removed. Um, they've got a couple of seats in the corners for team personnel. So like the Clippers played last night. So you got like Kawhi and Paul George showed up, and it, but other than that, there is that long stretch of seats is gone. The schmooze pit is gone. Only team personnel are allowed down there, or you know, broadcast media because. ESPN and Turner both have their setups behind the basket there. Us, Series 6M, we're in that tunnel. But other than that, the media people, they have no access down there unless they're going to the post-game Zoom session, which is in that uh, by the loading dock in that area over there. And then they have to get escorted down there. So it's pretty strict out here. Uh, I think everyone had to upload proof of vaccination, like all of us, media and employees and stuff. And uh, apparently... Nobody else had to do this, but I was told I had to show up with a negative test within 48 hours of me arriving at Summer League. So, I mean, your reputation proceeds yeah, sometimes. It's along those lines. They <laughs> saw me in Milwaukee and they said, no, no. <laughs> you were in a dunk tank no, no, and they are no, no. like, yo. It wasn't a dunk tank that they were worried about. <laughs> all everything outside the dunk tank. We watched your IG story. <laughs> hey, Mo, to bring it back to Shangoon here, <clears throat> what about players who don't speak English or very little English in a summer league setting, like how does that work? Like what, what is the coach drawing up and and how do you bridge that, that um, language gap when you don't even really know these players very well? Yeah, it gets really challenging along those lines. And, you know, I imagine for him, it's probably not his first experience having to deal with that. And I think it's, it's almost trying to just rely on, basketball though right it's it's like that being the common language and sort of kind of drawing things up and 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 walking through it more in a practice and things like that it's it's much harder in a timeout and things like that makes it it makes it more challenging i think at the end you're just relying on common languages and and it's not an actual language tom it's it's basketball it's like kind of just pointing at things and and you know obviously you're talking but it's how much he's actually taken in is a whole different story and at the end of the day especially because it's summer you're just like man i hope he gets it well mo i appreciate your insight here uh i i don't want you to miss your flights you don't need to be in vegas for as long as you have to be the goal in life is to literally just leave at the right moment and again 
got to escape. This is this is the only opportunity here. I love the flight away from Vegas because the flight to Vegas is always filled with happy, excited people. <laughs> the flight away from Vegas is just corpses, like we just with flags draped over them. <laughs> There's somebody trying to figure out how they're going to explain to their loved ones that they blew all the savings. There's there's definitely the dudes who went a little too far that are hung over and, and, and dying. And, you know, and then there's going to be me on my laptop trying to watch a couple of basketball clips. It's funny. Those two other categories are all Zach Harper. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mo, thank you. We'll have you again soon sometime um, once the NBA games start in the next season. But tell people where they can find you. Hey, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> you don't have to listen. to Now it's happening to me. I didn't even. Uh, wow. You can find me on Twitter at MoDekeel underscore NBA. Same on Instagram. Same on Twitch. And from there, you'll see everything else I'm doing. Awesome. Same on OnlyFans. <laughs> That's a different one. <laughs> Man, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I mean. <laughs> Thanks to Mo for joining us on the Haber Show. I mean, you're still with us. Mo is out of town. He is getting out of Vegas, starring in the the, the three, the third in the trilogy, Escape from Vegas, that we've just concocted here with the uh, Cinephobe production company. Now, to be fair, there is leaving Las Vegas, which is not quite an escape, but also it is... Uh, you know, it's got it's got some themes in it that I would say are consistent with what's happening with Mo and every other NBA media person who is here in Vegas who attempts to depart. Where does the hangover fit into this, the movie, the series? I mean, I guess when you're trying to find where Zach Harper is, I texted everybody last night, hey, where are you guys at? And I didn't get an answer. And then I fell asleep myself. So I'm pretty sure people are wondering where I was. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of that hangover here in vegas where people are searching for people and i last saw him wandering the floor of the uh of the the uh i was saying the monte carlo that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> of the mgm and he just looked delirious i mean every everyone here has that glaze in their eyes and has that scratch in their throat that you can hear in mine and i just hope no one has covid that's <laughs> what i'm at every morning i think to myself i should get tested just in case does it feel different this year without the schmooze center um and with covid and having to produce these vaccination um cards just to 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 prove that you're vaccinated like does it feel different the summer league usually is kind of like this it's a party it's not a honeymoon but it's it's like a it's it's absolutely it's like a reunion for everybody after after all of the stress of the nba finals you get together and you just kind of unpack a little bit just kind of release this is what I would say, Tom. You're right. It is a honeymoon because any other time in the year, if you're talking to NBA personnel about their teams, the thing that's foremost on their mind are the stresses of their performance right now. And what's that going to mean for them and their careers and all this? Everyone's stressed. Summer league, you know, you, for most teams, you, you're wrapped up free agency, you're drafted, you get to see your draft picks. Almost everyone likes what they did. They think they did a good job. So there is a level of there's no pressure. We haven't played any games yet, so no one's out here worrying about their job quite yet, although my memories of Summer League were always about worrying about my job because, you know, I'm a worrywart like that. And, and, and so absolutely, you're right. There usually is a lightness about it. And I think from what I've seen so far, that 
overall mood still exists among all the different people who work for the teams. The big difference is the schmooze pit used to have the media people all over that. Now media people are prevented from being down there unless they're being escorted. But these Zoom meetings, uh, these Zoom um, uh, press availabilities, right? Uh, and the other thing about it is, now, with regards to vaccination, you had to do that prior to getting here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, you either mm-hmm. sh- showed your card while picking up a credential or you uploaded it to the system and then just pick up your credential. Other than that, and, and the and for me at least, the initial test coming in, I haven't had to do anything else except wear a mask everywhere I go. Um, but again, the media people, most of the media people are prevented from being down in the schmooze pit. Now to me, as I look at this summer league, it reminds me very much of the summer leagues of, 2008, 2009, 2010, before it really exploded into the mega event that it is now, where there are people there, but it's not a crazy amount of people. There is media there, but it's not a crazy amount of media. You can go and get media seating fairly, you know, fairly close to the to the court, as opposed to you, you know, you've been there other years where you're searching and searching for an open seat, you know, where the desks are, where you get like a power plug and all that stuff. So it's less people, and the schmooze pit is almost exclusively just team people and people like me, you know, are just schmoozing. So in many ways, it's made it more pleasant. Uh, and then as far as the fans go, Thomas and Mac, I would say for that Cade Cunningham game, uh, Cade versus Jalen Green, the lower bowl was pretty much full. The upper bowl is not. Uh, it's maybe a couple of people here and there. So again, very shades of early 2010s summer league where people will come out for the big game, but for the most part, you know, it's scattered crowds here and scattered crowds there. And there isn't the same sort of buzz like there was with Zion, right? Like in terms of we, we got to figure out if you get the schedule and you just go and race to find wh- wherever Zion is. Like there isn't that kind of feeling there, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a really good class, this draft class, but in terms of generational talents besides Shangun, of course, is it's not the same level of Zion or Anthony Davis or what have you. Part of it is this draft class is very good, but at this point it lacks a single name star. Even LaMelo last year, there was no summer league last year. Even LaMelo, if he was playing this year, he would have been the, the headliner for sure. Same thing with uh, last year, I think. If we had a summer league. No disrespect to Wiseman, no disrespect to uh, Anthony Edwards. And, who was- Anthony <laughs> Edwards, who went first, my fault. Wiseman went second. Yeah. No, no disrespect to those guys. But if LaMelo played, he would be the headliner. He'd be the guy that everyone's rushing to go see. In the same way that Zion was and Ja was too. I think Ja came with that buzz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Shengun, Mobley. I think these guys are all going to be really good players, but they're not quite like the social media stars. Yeah, I think about LaMelo and Zion had millions of followers on Instagram coming into this thing. And would Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green be the most famous? guy in this class i would say kate cunningham yeah all right kate cunningham instagram mind you he's already been the number one pick right signed to deal everything yeah four hundred eighty thousand followers which is great but 
again, Zion and LaMelo had millions before they even set foot or in Zion's case, college campus, uh, in LaMelo's case, in Australia. Millions. So by the time they come to Summer League, you've already been a top five pick. The marketing has written itself. Kate Cunningham, great player. But there's some element of the legend has to be built now. Real quick, I want to talk about um, <laughs> Mace says Mac McClung has 805,000 more than Caden Cunningham. Um, the next, Alex Cruz. So I wonder what's in common with those two players. <laughs> Question for you, um, just talking about NBA news. Um, Dennis Schroeder just signed a one-year deal with the Boston Celtics for the tax payer mid-level exception, $5.9 million, way less than I think a lot of people expected. And he turned down an $84 million deal earlier this past year. And I'm curious not to hand ring about Dennis Schroeder's decision on, on his contract stuff. I'm curious, I mean, in your tenure with either the Knicks or the, the Suns, did you ever hand out or at your front office extend a contract to someone knowing it wasn't going to get taken. And then it circles back and it turns out, wait a minute, we might actually get this guy. Right. Cause Dennis Schroeder, I'm guessing the Boston Celtics were like, Hey man, we'd love to have you, but we're, you know, all we got is the tax mayor mid-level exception. So see you later. Um, Good luck with everything. And then they get a call back a week later, like, hey, you still got that taxpayer mid-level on the on the table? Now, are you talking about th- uh, throwing out a flyer on a guy? Or are you talking about, like, I don't really want this guy, but I want to look like I'm trying, so I, that, I make it up. No, no. I've, we've never done that. We, we, we've always, the guys that we wanted, we always went after. Uh, we never went after someone we didn't want. We've gone after people that we figured out later that, oh, my God, this was a terrible mistake. But at the time, we thought it was a good decision. It wasn't one of those. I mean, all I got is, that, you know, one of those, you know, I mean, if you want to stay for dinner, even though you don't want them to stay for dinner. Yeah, yeah. We, we never we never did one of those. Um, I can't I can't say that. But I can tell you a story that's similar to Dennis Schroeder in terms of, you know, fumbling the bag as they say i believe it was oliver miller he's playing for the toronto raptors this is in the there you go uh, maybe yeah. the second or third year the raptors exist oliver miller was the poster for every chunky basketball player like myself when i was a kid i was kind of kind of chunky right and i i looked at oliver miller and i said i mean i said if he can make it i can make it not knowing that Oliver Miller is like really fucking good at basketball, but like for all the little fat chubby kids growing up, he was, he was such a hero, a hero of ours. And Oliver Miller had a decent player option. He's set to make $3 million. Okay. So give me the year. Give me the circumstances. The year is 1990. It was a hot summer day in Las Vegas. The year is 1996. This is the year where a lot of teams have cap space, right? This is the summer where Michael Jordan was a free agent. Reggie Miller was a free agent. Uh, Allen Houston was a free agent. Uh, the Knicks had a bunch of cap space. The Miami Heat had a bunch of cap space. Uh, the Lakers had cap space. This is how they got Shaquille O'Neal. There was money everywhere. Oliver Miller in the prior year made about two and a half million dollars, has a player option for either three or three and a half million dollars, decides to opt out because there's all this money. I'm going to make so much more money. I'm going to bet on myself. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. bet on myself. Everyone in Toronto was like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing that you want to do. But he and his agent are confident, so they end up opting out. 
And much like Dennis Schroeder, you look around and all of a sudden, the money's all gone. Everyone spent the money. You weren't one of the people. They didn't give you a call. So now he comes back to Toronto, hat in his hand. What do you got for me? And Toronto says, we got a non-guaranteed minimum. I've told the story before and I said he ends up taking non-guaranteed minimum from Toronto. I was wrong. He gets it from Dallas. Dallas and then traded to... No. Oh, no. Then Dallas waves him. <sighs> and then the Raptors sign him as a free agent for the remainder of the season for, you guessed it, minimum. So the moral of the story was the guy turned down three and a half million because he thought he was going to get so much more and instead ended up signing for minimum, getting waived, and then signing for minimum for the rest of the season. That is an epic fumble because at least Dennis Schroeder knows there's there's a market, like there are people who value his skills and his services, just maybe not at the number he expected it to be. In Oliver Miller's case, man, you couldn't even stay on the team. 96 with the Raptors, $2.3 million salary. Next season with the Dallas Mavericks, $247,000. So he, he lost 90% of his salary. We always hear about the stories about betting on yourself because it seems like a rah-rah, like always bet on yourself. But when betting on yourself goes wrong is like right here with Dennis Schroeder, right? Is like, is turning down that 84 bird in the hand, $84 million and hell, I'm playing for the Lakers. What could go wrong? What possibly could go wrong? I'm Dennis Schroeder. And then the Boston Celtics, they they trade Kemba Walker and they have a hole at point guard, but not much money. I guess I'll take the deal with with the Celtics. And then the the Celtics are like, oh, oh yeah, we I guess we'll make this work. Sure, sure, Dennis Schroeder, great. Let's 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 do this. It's one of those things where, honestly, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, he should should fire his agent, but like we really don't know, Tom, because. There's a scenario, yes, where your agent says, hey, man, screw them. That's your weight worth way more than that. I'll get you more. Don't worry. I'll talk to all these teams. They, you got it in the bag. And he says, okay, I'll listen to you. I'll defer to you. And then there's, there's also a scenario that people don't understand where the, uh, the deal is, the offer is made, and you say, hey, man, this is a pretty good deal. And the player says, hell no, I ain't taking no $84 million to be the fifth best player on this team. I'm worth way more than that. And I'm willing to risk it and bet on myself. That happens. So I don't know in this case whether it was Schroeder, whether it was his agent. Um, but ultimately, I think it is a cautionary tale for other players and other agents that, hey, uh, you know, like these promises you might have may not, may not materialize. Tom, I have a theory that I think they thought the Knicks were the ones that were going to do it. And the Knicks were probably going to do it. Until someone says, hey, man, how about Kimba Walker for half the price? Unreal. And that's the game. I mean, that story is so fascinating to me. And it, not just because I'm based here in Charlotte, but like the way that that trade, the trade for Terry Rozier, Kemba Walker and Terry Rozier with the Charlotte Hornets was crushed. And it was one of Mitch Kupchak's first deals as taking over for the head of basketball ops for for Michael Jordan, the Charlotte Hornets, and he got kills for the Gordon Hayward contract. Right. And he had a great season, of course, got, um, you know, the hand injuries again at the end of the season. But man, if you want to look at the Kemba Walker deal with the Boston Celtics and how they let him go after being the face of the all-star break um, in Charlotte, that has to be one of the um, more 
the biggest upsets in recent transactions, right? Like Kemba Walker, the Celtics did not work out at all. There's injuries involved. There's the fit. And then they trade him for 50 cents on the dollar to the, to the thunder. And then they wave him. The thunder wave him. The Knicks pick him up for 8 million a year, a two year deal for what? $16 million. That is such a turn. It reminds me of Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics. It reminds me of DeMarcus cousins uh, with the Pelicans after his injury. It like, man, nothing is promised in this league. Nothing's guaranteed in this league. Like Kemba Walker, the, the ascension of Kemba Walker going to the Celtics, um, that was as as wide, widely cheered move, or at least thumbs up. This is a really smart deal and a terrible deal for the Hornets. And I mean, I got to put it up there as one of the biggest um, upsets in terms of transactions that I can remember. So I'm, I'm going to say this because I was one of the people who was very critical. I was critical about the Kimball Walker thing, not because I had any love for, you know, I thought, oh, man, you guys are building it. But my, my thing was this. Charlotte was one of the loudest teams arguing for the, hey, teams need to have ability to pay super max and all that. To retain the homegrown talent. To retain talent, the, right? the homegrown talent. And then in in their first opportunity to make good on that, what do they do? They ditch the homegrown. They, 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 they say, oh, thanks, but no thanks. So my thing was more of like this is philo- philosophical. Like we had a lockout over this, you assholes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Weren't you the one that was hot to trot for this? For the ability to overpay people? And now you don't want to overpay for someone who, who obviously had it, like you said, was was great for that organization. It's like you're going out to an anniversary dinner with your wife or something like that. And she's like bending over backwards to like make a reservation and get the babysitter and everything and cancel that work thing that you had and make sure we go to this one place. And then when the push comes to shove, we're getting out of the door. And finally, you bend over backwards to make this happen. Mm. And you pulled so many teeth. And she's like, you know what? Kind of just want to go to Applebee's tonight. Or just order in. Why don't we just order in? Yeah. And you're like, what the Like, we just did all this, man. Like, come on. That's part of it. Part of it also, I still think Terry Rozier for the money he signed was too much for a guy who had never shot 40% from the field in his pro or college career. There was nothing at that point that said that that was a good deal, right? There, right. Like there was no evidence at that point that you would see this Terry Rozier right. who's at the top of the league in terms of three-pointers and, and three-point percentage, right? Even so, I always use this analogy. It's like buying a Toyota Corolla for $100,000. Right. It's a reliable car. It's safe. It's got great gas economy, but it's not worth a hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you buy it and then find out that, oh, I opened the trunk and there's five hundred thousand dollars in gold in the trunk. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. But that still doesn't make your process correct. You still overpaid. You're for- not hitting on 20. And if you get if you if it pulls up an ace like, yeah, you know, say, see, I told you. Right still dumb <laughs> that's what i felt about that summer the gordon hayward one i'll admit i was i was off on it because i underestimated how much they valued and needed a veteran in that locker room who would be their best player and plays the way that they want to play um i remember we talked then we talked to borrego about this right mm-hmm and he was just saying, you know, just singing Gordon Hayward's phrases as far as being, you know, the exact guy they needed. 
they needed to help them. Uh, and then obviously LaMelo. Because look at that roster. I mean, who like is Cody Zeller going to be leading them down the stretch in a tight game? No. Part of it is Cody Zeller doesn't have the talent to do it. Part of it is Cody Zeller doesn't command the respect to do it. Like say what you love about Gordon Hayward. This has been a multiple-time All-Star and been to the playoffs a bunch of times. I think it's only one one-time All-Star. Just the, was the one in Utah? I think just the one in Utah. All right. Well, he's been an all-star. But he at least went to the playoffs and, like, led a playoff team, right? Like Multiple times. Multiple yes. times, right, in the playoffs. And, and just a guy who, who knows how to play, right? And, and so if you're Gordon Hayward, you can walk into that locker room. And, yeah, so he's only a one-time all-star with Utah. My bad. Okay. Um, and command a certain amount of respect in there that – Maybe a guy who'd been there the whole time like Cody Zeller doesn't, right? Um, but then you look at the other guys on that team, they really needed to play with good passers. They hadn't had that, really. Gordon Hayward helps that. But like LaMelo, I think, is kind of... LaMelo helps that and helps that. The burden isn't all on him, his rookie season, to be the sole distributor on this team when you got Gordon Hayward. It gets better because if you look at their offseason, they've... Double down while many other teams that have a, a talent like LaMelo make it very heliocentric around that player. Think of Dallas with Luka. Think of Atlanta with Trey Young. The Hornets have doubled down and said, no, no, no. We need more passers so that he's not the burden of having to set the table for every player. So you add an Ish Smith. You add a Mason Plumley, Right. Uh, and you know we you know we la- we make the Ishmith jokes here all the time, but Ishmith's like one of the best backup point guards in the league. Um, and, and Mason Plumlee is one of the best passing bigs we have in the league. And obviously Gordon Hayward's back and healthy, and so now Lamelo, rather than have to play like perhaps Steph Curry, pre Steve Kerr, where it's like pick and roll and I got to create everything, now he's got an opportunity to play in a system like Steph Curry post Steve Kerr where we got passers everywhere. Remember the stat when we were on with Borrego, I mean, mm-hmm. is that they had the highest assisted percentage, not, mm-hmm. you know, one of the highest of all time percentage right. of their baskets were assisted. And with that, with that team, I don't think anyone saw that coming in was, oh yeah, Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, like they're going to share the ball like they're the, the Kerr KD Warriors. That was right. the level of the ball distribution there. And it, it tailed off there at the, at the end of the season. But um, that's kind of why Miles Bridges is unlocked. That's right. why they're thinking Kelly right. Oubre is going to be unlocked this year. Well, it's like you can get, I mean, he is as, as he's a, he's a black hole when it comes to passing himself, but if you can get him on a rotation, 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 and then suddenly, suddenly Kelly Oubre has a lane to the basket, same deal with Miles Bridges. I mean, that can work there in Charlotte. The idea is that you have enough passers that the other guys, all you guys have to do is move and, and finish. Move and finish. Don't stand still, and when you get the ball, make it count. Okay, last thing before we go. I mean, wanted to ask you, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, big trade talk buzz before the 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 finals and and in the draft. Do you feel any sense there in Vegas that that's like a a big talking point? Like, are you are you feeling like that's an imminent thing? Is that that's going to get sorted out, or do you feel like this is going to go until training camp? I had a nice conversation with Rich Paul yesterday. We didn't talk about Ben Simmons specifically, but he did talk about like 
drawing lines, having to draw a line and saying to teams, like you're kind of violating the spirit of the, the overall kind of agreement between players and management. And so I would imagine that Ben Simmons is being heavily shopped and heavily talked about. I think Philly's open to moving him, but rightfully so. They're demanding fair value for him. Uh, the latest story that we have coming out from Vegas here as, as we're recording this is that the Warriors are torn internally on Ben Simmons' fit. Some people think he'd be a great fit. Others don't. Uh, I think I can articulate both sides of that argument. Yeah. The the people who do see this guy who's an amazing passer, who is a play, can, who's one of the best defensive players in the league, guard all five positions, great athlete, and only 25 years old. And so if you talk about the way they want to play in Golden State, their system, this is a perfect fit for them on both sides of the ball and allows them to have kind of some sort of succession plan that, you know, as we know, Steph is probably going to play until he's 40, playing the way he plays. Be nice to have a young stud alongside him who can carry uh, this thing, especially as Draymond is older of the group and, and Clay is the one coming off of severe injury. The other side of it is one of the problems, we talked about it last year, that the Warriors had was scoring because it was Steph and everything had to be Steph. Steph had to be amazing for them to even have a fighting chance. It, this was a team that was 19th, I want to say, in offense last year. Despite, like, <laughs> Steph Curry had to average 40 points a game down the last month of the season just to get into the to the playoff picture. So when you look at Andrew Wiggins, some people, oh, he turned the corner. Some people are like, same old Wiggins. Uh, I'm probably more the latter. But even if you're not enamored with him, you understand 18 to 20 efficient points a night has an incredible value for this team because they don't have anybody else who is a consistent scorer like that. Draymond is not that. Wiseman's not there yet. Klay Thompson, we, the jury's still out. He, and he won't even play until January. So there's two months there where it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> Suddenly you're like, wait, Jordan Poole is our, our, our high floor. Our second best scorer, and that's a scary place to be. And so when you look at a guy like Ben Simmons, there is a trepidation of, man, what if his offensive struggles follow? And, yeah, we might be the best defense in the league because we legitimately have two of the five best defensive players in the league, but how much will we score? Can we score enough? And if we can't score enough, are we putting undue stress on Steph Curry? Man. I would do the deal um, if I'm Golden State for Ben Simmons because I think you you hope to unlock the whole shebang, right? Yeah, I put it all on the table. Two picks in the future as well. Yep, because I'm looking at Ben Simmons and hoping that my my culture, Steph Curry, the breath of fresh air, can unlock whatever is hampering Ben Simmons and that he isn't going to become the scoring liability that he was down the stretch for for huge stretches in the playoffs with the Sixers. My question is, is he going to be willing to take like a backseat in terms of responsibility offensively too? Like in Philly, he was the point guard. Mm -hmm. 
right? He yeah. was the clear ball handler distributor for Philadelphia. In Golden State, they do have a more egalitarian offense under Steve Kerr, where St- St- you know Stephen Curry doesn't need the ball in his hands like Luka, like Trey Young, like uh, John Morant, whatever. You know, insert high scoring point guard here. Um, but at the same time, Ben Simmons is probably going to have to take a backseat to Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, and and deal with that new environment there. Who knows if he's willing to do that? But I think after what happened in Philly, you got to take that chance, especially with that talent level. Hey, Tom, I got I to gotta interrupt this Warriors talk to update you. This is as of 20 minutes ago on Instagram. Damian Lillard posts a meme that says, it looks like the silhouette of a joker leaning against a playing card. The caption in the meme says, sometimes you have to play the role of a fool to fool the fool who thinks they are fooling you. And then the caption under that says, chess, not checkers. Light years. I don't know what any of that means. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. What? You a dude that don't know what duty he is. Or are you a dude who has no idea what dude he is and claims to know what dude he is? What the fuck are you guys talking about? I playing other dudes. I know what dude I am. Thanks, Mason. Well, I didn't expect this from Dame. I feel like Dame says it how it is, right? Yeah. Like Dame is the one who puts it out on on a record or puts it out on Twitter, like in very direct terms. Like the whole the whole uh, cryptic D- Damian Lillard. I didn't see that coming. This is very, very chess, chestnut checkers as the caption. That's all I could think about when you were reading me the Joker fool and all this stuff is what if David Lillard puts in the caption chestnut checkers and then he does very LeBron-esque fit in, not fit out. Yes. Oh my God. Very LeBron-esque, very LeBron-esque. But I think there is a level of, this is what happens at the end of the road, right? Like this guy, I did it right the whole time. And where did that get me? Michael Beasley, Summer League. <laughs> Michael Beasley, Emmanuel Moutier, Kobe Simmons, and Kenneth Farid. That's where it got me. Oh, man. All right. Well, how long are you going to be in Vegas for? I mean, at, at this point, how long are you going to be there? Only until Sunday. Well, stay safe. Have fun. Moe's not going to be able to chaperone you anymore. So find your next chaperone and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Vegas. Alperin Shangun. Just killing it out there. He has now reached Zion levels of I got to be watching him at all times. Now I've got figured out in the schedule when he's playing. I've got a prediction for you, Tom. Let's hear it. You know how like in uh, NBA arenas, they'll have like fan sections that are sponsored by a player. Yeah. Tom's heroes or, you know, like some dumb shit like that, right? Stroh's heroes or something like that. Okay. Yep. I believe it's going to be called Alpern's Shingoon Squad. Oh, the Shangun squad. Yeah. You know what? I've been workshopping. Shangun Hive doesn't, I mean, it, it works, but there's no play on words there. The Shangun squad. squad actually really works. I like that. I mean, I was trying to workshop this and maybe you just figured it out. I did swoon for Shangun. No. No. That's pre-draft, right? That's like rigging for Wiggins. Sorry for Jabari. Like pre-draft, we all crying for Zion. Like it's, it's, it's basically, how do I, how do I justify my tanking or, you know, or, or my, my desire for this guy. But once you get him, now it's gotta be something else. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think Shingun squad is. It has been hereby decreed the mayor of summer league. So shall it be told. <laughs> it is now etched in marble Shingun squad. 
I'm off next week. I'm off the grid. So we're going to take a little hiatus after summer league and we'll be back in two weeks. Really? What's happening next week? Are we allowed to say on air? Is this an off-air conversation? I'm spending some time with my mom next week um, and the family. So going to just focus on that and uh, take a little break here. And I will, and and you know what? Like the whole iffy Wi-Fi thing in, in the mountains. Yeah. I'm not even going to play it anymore. You're scarred. Oh my God. Look at you. They got you running for the hills. Levitard and those guys. Now, of course, if Damian Lillard is traded to the 76ers um, and the Sixers were smart to get his trainer on staff, uh, maybe I'll pop in for a phone interview. But like part of me, I mean, you tell me, do I bring all of the stuff, my computer, my my mic, all this stuff? Or is it funnier if I'm just like, hi, I'm on a payphone here and yeah. put it live on the Levitard show? The funniest things, Tom, I've thought about this a lot. And what the hell? There's like a dragonfly. I'm on the 56th floor and there's a dragonfly that just flew by. Oh, my God. And that thing was huge, too. The funniest thing, Tom, is that theoretically being on a phone line is worse than being on the Zoom. But the reality is we have like 70 years or plus of radio where the guests phone in on a phone line. Yeah. And so audiences are way more accustomed to hearing that than they are to hearing us all sound crystal clear and then all of us not sounding like a robot. Like that's. Oh yeah. So if you call in on the phone, on the phone line, I think you sound a lot better to the people because you sound like, like you've always sounded traditionally when you call into the Levitard show pre pandemic. And it feels a little bit more uh, intense if I'm on, if I'm on a phone line, right? Doesn't it add a little bit to the, uh, the seriousness of this report is, Hey, yeah. and, and, and you can imagine me on the phone line, holding my ear, just like, hi, uh, sorry about the high winds here at the, um, at the premises. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling in now. live. Um, Damian Lillard has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons and shake Milton and four pick swap. Um, what I'm hearing now, and, and I, I cannot confirm this, is that Damian Lillard has signed an extension on top of the already four years. And, and Daryl Morey, hold on. I've, I've just got a text message from the, like, I feel like if I'm on a phone line or if I'm on a payphone, it adds kind of to the to the to the madness of it all. Like it, it gives it a little bit of credibility. Only if you were like standing outside of like the, the practice facility or something like that. <laughs> or you were staked out at the at the in the hotel lobby of the of the uh wherever the Sixers are staying. You got like those phone booths back in the in the old days, like in the movies, there's that bank of phone booths in a row where all the reporters rush when <laughs> something just happened, you know? <laughs> And you're just like, okay, yeah. I mean, if your life depended on it, could you find a payphone in 20 minutes in Vegas? No, no, not in Vegas. In Phoenix, I could. If you had, this is a great movie script. Is like find a payphone, speed style. Find a payphone, or else you're gonna blow up. In 2021, Maze, do you think you could do that? Find a payphone in 20 minutes. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Good. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it from Haber Show this week. We will see you next time on the show. Go listen to Cinephobe. I just started The White Lotus. and Oh, yeah. Steve Zahn, of course, is on it. So I'm really excited about checking out the Cinephobe of Saving Silverman because I, I know way too many Tenacious D lyrics with, with Jack Black and KG. 
So I am excited for for that because I like you guys. I haven't watched it in a long time, and and I just I just have this memory in college of watching it and loving it. Are you gonna watch Saving Silverman first and then listen to the pod, or are you gonna listen to the pod then go watch Saving Silverman? Or you're not gonna listen to the pod at all? You're just gonna go watch Saving Silverman? I swear to God, man, we're doing so much work for these studios. We're getting them all these extra streams yeah. for their movies. You know what? It's funny when we do pack your knives, how many people just listen to the show without watching it? Really? Like people just like listening to us. We get some people who say, I don't even watch the movies. I just like listening to you guys talk about them. But I, 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 I assume most of our listeners do watch the movies because, you know, sometimes there's just things that you can't, you can't describe, right? You can't really describe and look who's talking to, there is a baby who's got sunglasses on and, and a very dopey high look on his face. And we instantly call them the same note two baby, right? Because every time we do that, oh, same note two, bro. Like that's that baby looks like the person who would say that. It's lost if you haven't watched it. Now, if you watch the movie, you see it, then it's amazing. Also, I'd like to point out, because this week's episode is about the 2019 film What Women Want, starring to IGP Henson. We've had a character over the last couple of weeks who's a reviewer. His name was, I guess, Charles O'Leary or Chuck O'Leary. But when Zach wrote his notes, he had a typo and he called him Cuck O'Leary. <laughs> so we've just been having fun with that name, Cuck O'Leary, Cuck O'Leary, ha ha. And then in this movie, What Men Want, a character who is Irish, who behaves in a very cuckish fashion, appears in the movie and so instantly we all had the same note oh my god it's cuck o'leary manifested but you gotta see the movie to know what he looks like so you know what's funny about this is one of my good buddies who's actually i think he's been on with us before when we talk about the wizards because he's a he's a big wizards fan his name is buck o'leary Buck O'Leary? Buck O'Leary is his name oh my god we gotta have buck o'leary shouts to buck as a guest my man buck we got to get him on to to discuss the new the new wizards and uh, and Spencer Dinwiddie's desire to become Spencer Dinwiddie the politician and the Bitcoin ambassador. I saw Spencer last night. We talked about exactly that. Yes. Any 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 exclusives here on the Haber show from your discussion with Spencer Dinwiddie? No, just just talk about his like he's he's serious. Like he's going to lobby like more uh, embracing of crypto by the U.S. government. Awesome. The Wizards just never stop to amaze me. They trade for they they give the extension to John Wall, who has an Achilles issue, and then slips and falls in the shower and ruptures his Achilles, and then they trade for Russell Westbrook, and now they got Spencer Dinwiddie, DC lobbyist, Bitcoin lobbyist, starting at point guard. And it's sad to say, I'm down on them because they got no more Ish Smith. All right, that's the show. 